It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. And I'm Elizabeth. Well, today we don't have a guest, but we just thought we'd get together today and do a little wrap-up episode for Season 1, talk about some of our likes, like what we for, well, what Heidi and I look for in Season <laughs> <laughs> I guess you guys could say what you hope yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, yay, we made it. <laughs> yay! I think it's no secret that most fans believe the show gets a lot better in season two, so... <laughs> yes, I, I think we've heard that a few times. <laughs> yeah, we might have yeah. heard that a couple times, but season one was good, so... Yeah, I think... I don't, I don't, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being, I don't know. Mm. I'm so pleased uh, you two liked it, and I think, actually, the, it's been better watching it with you guys... Uh, there's more to it with you on board. I can see the good parts of season one. I've always kind of liked it a bit more than other fans, but now you're on board, there's even more to like about season one. Oh, well, that's good. It's totally different doing a TV show this way, you know, where you're taking it one episode at a time. Yeah, it's rare to do that nowadays. Yeah, so you Oh, it really is. It, yeah. Right. I guess we were going to start off talking about some of the major themes, just some of the, um, or some of the, was right there, metaphysics, whatever, of the Babylon 5 universe. I know early on they introduced us all the different races and learned some info about all the different races and their really covered bit. Yeah, Heidi and Elizabeth, what do you think we've learned about the central races, I suppose? Humans, Membari, Nan, Centauri. And the Vorlons, of course. What have you learned? Let's what start with think? the Vorlons. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long what conversation. What have we learned about the Vorlons? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> We've only met the one, right? There wasn't well, any in the first episode, but there weren't really We've any actually ones. only met one, but we have had several Vorlon ships. Right, yeah. Um, we do like, we do know they kind of like blowing things up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have They're their very reasons. similar to humans. <laughs> mm. They're pretty apathetic, most except for when they want to blow something up. Yeah, they like to speak in riddles and never actually tell you what they mean. Yeah, it's like they feel it's like they consider themselves to be kind of removed from everything that's going on. Yeah, you know, like observers, kind of like when when we saw Kosh looking at that video of all the like I think it was like with the Kennedy and stuff and the space shuttle, and yeah. he said he was learning things. It was kind of like. Almost like an observey kind of, you know, uh, as a scientist sort of looking at things, or but, but detached from it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. And we're we're assuming, which we only can assume, that all Vorlons are like Kosh. <laughs> right, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> they could be partiers, well. you know. <laughs> <laughs> they could be more like Londo. <laughs> yeah, they could all be like that. Kosh is just a weirdo that they're like, get out of here. Go to the Babylon 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't like you. We're sending you to all those other guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all we know is, is that guy. But, but even, because we're kind of like our view of the Vorlons is very similar to everybody else's on the show's view of the Vorlons because they don't know anything about the Vorlons either. So it's like we're kind of learning things at the same time as they are, which is kind of cool. Do you think anyone on the show has a better idea of what the Vorlons are about than any of the others and us as an audience at this point? Dr. Kyle does, but (laughs) (laughs) he's not Um, not here anymore. Maybe Delenn. Yeah, maybe if there was going to be anybody, probably or Mister Morden. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he just seems to know everything, and we know nothing. So, yeah, <laughs> he know seems what people want you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> or maybe he does, and he's just trying to get them to say it, or uh, or leading them to something. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but Kosh seems to have this preternatural idea of things that are going to happen. You know that uh, there's a course that's been set. And there's really nothing you can do to stop it. Because mm-hmm. he said a couple things about that. So it seems to ha- that he has this sort of all-knowing... He has this all-knowing aura about him. Or maybe he's a time lord. Mm. <laughs> Is that maybe. a Doctor uh, Yeah, that's a Doctor <laughs> okay. I was actually almost going to equate him to almost a Merlin figure at this point. Oh, he's going back through. He's going backwards through time. So, like, he's is that because Merlin went goes back through backwards through time, right? So he's seen the future and he's bringing that back. So that's kind of yeah. All I kind of meant was kind of he's more this um, observer at this point, who's all-knowing and mysterious. Um, as Merlin seems to be at the beginning of most Merlin mythologies, mm-hmm. discounting the Merlin BBC TV series. Well, yeah. I have not seen it. <laughs> I'm, actually, it's funny because I'm I'm currently reading the Once a Future King. So ah ah, <laughs> that's on my <laughs> list to read like very soon. Yeah, let me tell. The story of the stone is nothing like the Disney one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, we, yeah. It's really hard to predict for Kosh. Um, there's just not a lot there. Yeah. Uh, what about some of the others, like Nor and feel about him? Well, I kind of, I like how, like, at first, the Narn just seemed to be sort of this one-note, you know, antagonistic race that was just filled with this need to, for revenge and... And it's kind of a little bit less like that now. You see them more as having sort of almost a justified anger, you know, as to what happened to them. You know, do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're not completely in the wrong, especially now. Um, because kind of at the beginning, Jakar was, you know, just a blowhard and really um, mm-hmm. was, you know, doing underhanded things and, and stuff. But uh, But it has come to be especially at the end of the season when uh with the attack they're they're justified in uh feeling this way and um and they have had things done to them as a race yeah the question now becomes are they overcompensating as um was said well yeah they probably at some point you have to let it go you know i think that was brought up in one of the episodes is like you do this in retaliation for something they did and then they retaliate against you and then you retaliate and where does it end you know so i think that there were they have a justified anger but you can't justify 
you know, some things that, that you do, you know, even if it is based on something that happened. Yeah. Uh, and I also think that what part, part of the thing that helps soften, I guess, the Narns is Natoth is, you know, a different kind of a different side of things. And, um, and Jakar has even changed, you know, he's not quite as stridently militaristic as he appeared, I guess, at first. Yeah, well, well, you definitely see more to the characters as time goes on over this first series. And you see, yeah, they're not the cardboard cutouts they first appear. Yeah, and and to go along with that, kind of in the beginning, Babylon 5 more seemed like, on the surface, okay, this is, this is a space station where people are coming together, different races are coming together, and it's going to be about keeping the peace between them. And yet, this is sort of speculation, but where it more appears to be going is that these races will have to band together in the things to come because of outside influences. So rather than working to keep peace, it's going to be um, more of a, oh, I don't know how to put it, more of a, um, the words are not coming. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a galvanizing force. There we go. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I totally see what, what you're saying. Um, yeah, do you... Well, let's go, let's get into speculation. But um... <laughs> I know, I didn't really want to go there, but it was, <laughs> no, was like... Gonna, like, ask a follow-up question. <laughs> no, I'll wait, I'll wait. Uh, okay, how about the Centauri? Right. Well, if they're all like Londo, then they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Although we've seen several different Centauri yeah, over yeah, this. Well, they all are kind so, of like so. Londo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have, well, um, they do have certain customs that they, you know, they're, I guess they're more about appearance and status, mm -hmm. you know. And that hasn't really changed. Um, I, I, because that's kind of where Londo's getting into trouble, I think, is his focus on the status of the Centar Centauri Republic. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're they're so interesting because they're like a happy-go-lucky sort of people, and yet they're so involved in this dispute with the Narn, you know? Yeah. I very much see them as, you know, that sort of Roman Empire, you know? Because just the, first of all, their religion, but also just sort of the decline of their power, their status, mm -hmm. um, and how that makes them desperate. Um, I mean, they even have emperors, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, at this point, their star is waning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they might have been great once, but it, it's, in a way, it's kind of like... Um, the British Empire in the um, part of the 20th century, they're trying to cling on to the empire they once had. Right, and you just can't. You know, at some point you're spread too thin, you know, it's too much. Yeah, like the world has moved on into a different different age, different era, and mm -hmm. uh, and you just can't keep up. Yeah. Especially no. trying to keep things the same as they used to be. Yes, nothing could ever stay the same. And the show, like you guys said, the show... That's it's not going to stay the same, you know. The show itself, the characters are going to change, and the show itself told you that in one of its very last lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And poor Clara. And... Oh, oh. R.I.P. In my heart. <laughs> I think we should actually have a small section on Clara a little later. A little tap <laughs> or some sad song <laughs> in memoriam. 
Maybe a Justin Bieber song. <laughs> I'm sure he does a nice pensive ballad. Oh, was Clara one of the uh, believers then? Uh, the stealth one, yeah. Oh, okay, I suppose we should move on to um, the Membari. Oh, I don't know what to say about the <laughs> Why do you think we did everyone else first? Yeah, aside from the humans, we learned most about the Membari this season, us, Phil. Yeah, I think so. We've, we've seen quite a few of them now. Mm-hmm. Yes, Selene both... had many guests. Yes, <laughs> she has all these old friends. Very well connected. Uh-huh. And we got that visit from the military side i forgot the name of that guy um Nerun. yeah elite Nerun. and we saw some of the gray council mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone else was yeah over. so i think somebody mentioned you know on the facebook group you know what lord of the rings race they would be and they they are totally the elves in my head <laughs> <laughs> they are yeah because they're the oldest of the races of the races right or maybe of the four not the four lawns wasn't that said somewhere like the the um Centauri were the youngest and the no no the human are the the youngest in the scene on the scene but I thought the Centauri were the no no humans are are the youngest race the youngest major race I should say you know out of the main five races we've gotten to know so far that humankind is you know the youngest race out there okay They've only been on the scene about a century or so. Right. I knew they'd only been on the scene for not very long. I just, for some reason, I thought I had wrote down somewhere that the Centauri were the youngest. Um, like, physically, I guess, in terms of, like, how long they've been in existence. Yeah. But I don't know where I got that. <laughs> well, the Membari, I mean, they're... Oh, we know they have the two castes, the religious or the military. Um, and that they've been somewhat in opposition yeah, but they're kind of a theocracy. And it seems they only have the one religion, mm-hmm. right? Because we haven't heard anything else. It seems like having different religions is more of a human trait, doesn't it? Yeah, because... There was the one scene with uh, Jakar um, where he right, spoke it... of other religious leaders. So Because oh, okay. Natasha the... said her mom was an atheist, and then... Um, she... Yeah, her father followed a different... Uh, thing mm-hmm. as well. Okay, it's only been briefly touched on in only one scene, but I see why you would think that you know it's only humans who tend to have, have multiple religion. It, it, it's not gone into detail, <laughs> but the Centauri but, don't because they killed the other race that was on their planet that had a different religion. Yeah, that's the one thing we didn't go into with Centauri. They committed genocide. <laughs> right. I don't remember what the other race was called, and, but yeah, meant- uh, 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 Zon or something like that. Like that, and celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they celebrate, celebrate it. this genocide that they committed. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's there. They said the race has become a joke to them now. It, you know, it was so long ago that you know they've lost all perspective on what an awful event it was. Yeah. And I was looking we, back at my notes. I had the, actually it was a Narn I had written down as the youngest. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, the Narn are a weird one because technically they're an old, they've been on the scene longer than humanity. However, that's only because they were enslaved by the uh, Centauri. <laughs> Not from anything they did specifically because they were an agrarian colony. They were an agrarian species. Yeah. yeah. So they. It, <laughs> 
although the Narn have been around longer than humanity as a you know as a race known to the wider galaxy um it's only since their rebellion that they've been able to stand on their own so you could debate whether which race is the youngest race whether it's humans or non <laughs> it's interesting though because um the narn were like basically their planet was basically stripped dry by the centauri occupation but and they don't have the resources to like when um Catherine went to Sigma 957 um to look to search for that jump gate material um the Narn didn't have the resources to do that um uh, but they do have but they do supply weapons to other worlds so I don't know how that works exactly I think basically their whole infrastructure is still based on everything that came out of the revolution there during the revolution and shortly after their trade has all has been around weapons supplies weapons building a military infrastructure to rebel and then to protect themselves after rebelling and they're at the stage now when they they can start spreading out and doing other things but they're still focusing on revenge mm-hmm. and so yeah Perhaps they would have the resources to build, you know, to get these minerals if they weren't so focused on warfare. Yeah, that's because basically the Centauri completely changed who they are, you know. Mm. They changed their entire way of thinking. What happened to them changed them, you know, as as a species, it seems like. I say more as a culture than necessarily as a species, but yeah. Okay, as a culture, yeah. But still, it's we were supposed to be talking about um, the Membari, which is kind of I, I can I know why we went off track, but it's kind of difficult to get into the Membari because we've although we've learnt a lot, they're still very much a mystery at the same time. Yeah, they are. It's like we know things, and yet we also don't really know the overall. Um, I don't know, like, their way of thinking, really. Because it's all very veiled in mystery. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, it's it, they're like little mini cautious. That, <laughs> but we know more about them, but they're still just kind of just as mysterious almost. Uh-huh, yeah. But it's weird because we know they have ulterior motives, but they don't come across that way, really. They don't seem devious or anything like that. It's just more of like... I don't know. Almost they, makes they, it seem. It seems like they have good intentions. Well, at least, and yet, so, yeah, and yet, kind of not at the same time. Because what did they do to Sinclair, and why did they do it? And I mean, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know they have their reasons. It is, yeah. I yeah. think it's that we like Delenn, and so and Lanier, yeah, yeah, and so we like want them to have this niceness about them. I don't know. Like, we don't want to think that they're capable of who knows what, but we have no idea. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Like, like in my, I guess I see them more as having like a an end view of things, like more of a high level view of things, uh-huh. rather than being situationally specifically good. Maybe they just see as the overall good is better than the, I don't know, the forest for the trees kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe they do what we would consider bad things in the service of what they see as an ultimate good, maybe. Right. Or an ultimate good as they see it in their religion or their 
culture. So basically they would be what many would call like playing God, thinking right. that they know better than everybody else and because they have this perspective that they know what's right. Mm-hmm. So again, very Time Lord-like. <laughs> sure. It's all Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what do you make of the Membari religion? Or can't you really form any opinions yet? Um, I don't know. It's still very hard to know exactly what they... Exactly what they believe and what they're... I don't know. Yeah, it's. I think it's too early. <laughs> We have, like, their rituals, and we kind of, you know, know that their religion, basically, um, they have a theocracy, so it kind of rules things, but I'm not sure we have enough information about the actual belief. I mean, I think we know, right, that they have sort of a reincarnation-type perspective, um, or mm-hmm. at least the souls go back into the pot of souls and get stirred around or something. And yeah, something enter. like that. <laughs> I don't know exactly, but... Um, are you asking also, we think that there's some, within the context of this show, if there's any basis to their religion in terms of like, is it actually going to be true, like partially true or be shown to be true? Not necessarily. Maybe if that's what you want to take from it, but it was kind of more, it seems to be very important to them. And it's, maybe it's because I'm watching it from a different perspective, but I can already see it driving a lot of decisions for them. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. At um, least the ones we've seen. <laughs> I think pretty much everyone's is, though. Like, their religion is their basis for belief, and mm. so I think the the Narn, like, Jakar's religion, it uh, tells him, you know, what he should be doing, what he should be thinking. Kind of Londo the same way. Okay. Uh, I, I mainly see, see it for the Membari because they've said it a couple times. Like, the yeah. religious cast told, basically, the war started because their religious leader was killed. And then it was, basically, they told the warrior cast, you know, that we have a religious basis for this war. We have a... Right. right? And that's... It's like a holy war. Yeah. And mm. that's, like, overall... But I'm saying, as far as our individual characters, religion is very important to all of them. Oh. And I think the whole discussion of each of our characters is something we should come into in a little bit, because it, it's all tied in with who their races are, but at the same time, there's something interesting about e- each of these characters that, you know, sets them apart in some ways from the others of their race that we've seen. So it's something that after we've discussed humans in general, it'd be great to get into. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, so sorry. are we, are sorry. we talking about oh, humans wait, now? Yeah, <laughs> I feel about the humans on the show. Well, I enjoy our some of our, most of our human characters, but humans are probably my least favorite of the races. <laughs> They're so boring. Well, they also just have, I mean... We're humans. We can talk about this. We have selfish motives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more humans on the show than other races. So you see a more variety, I think, of motivations and things like that. Because you have the Psy core. Uh-huh. And... and, of course, there's humans that don't want to have aliens around. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, typical humanity. Yeah. 
rather than Star Trek, for example, that's meant to be the shining example of what we can be. The, this really is just humans 200 years down the line. We're pretty much the same creatures we are now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is Whole not to say... I don't think that they're necessarily only, sh you know, only showing the bad side. They're also showing the good side. And I think that, you know, they're trying to have Sinclair be the embodiment of that. And then, you know, because Elaine gave her little speech about humans and, you know, their loyalty and stuff. Yeah, we got that little um, thing there. Uh, so actually, I suppose we don't have much more to discuss about humans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we know a lot about them, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's continue with themes. One thing that kept coming up, and Heidi mentioned it earlier, was xenophobia, not wanting to have aliens around. Do you feel about how five that? Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest through lines, I guess, that we've seen so far um, in terms of subplots and things that are happening. And mm -hmm. I, th I see it as being a huge part of the future of the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's definitely shaping where it's going and will have a big impact on where it's going. Yeah, because um, well, we, well, we know that there's aliens that have emigrated to Earth. There's alien ambassadors on Earth. Um, there are at least, we don't know how many humans are on other planets, um, but we know that there are some spies, psi spies on other planets. Mm -hmm. But we don't know how that is, how they're going undetected unless there are other <laughs> humans also on those planets. Okay. Yeah, I, I think maybe we should expand on uh, xenophobia, just um, the expansion of prejudice, really. Because it's not just xenophobia, you've got side prejudice on both sides. You've got, yeah, we, we've only seen brief instances of a few telepaths, but already... You know, a couple of telepaths have come in and say, you know, almost try to lay out that they're better than the rest of humanity. You know, Besta came on board and said that from the get-go, more or less, didn't he? Um, yeah. And that, but then you've got characters who, for one reason or another, dislike telepath. So you've got that prejudice there. You've got the anti-alien move, and then you've got, you know, people dislike colonists like um hating um marzies as they call them <laughs> you know it's prejudice seems to be a big part of this show at this point it, it's shaping the future mm -hmm. makes sense usually usually wars have something to do with that well yeah and then of course use the big one between the narns and the centauri mm -hmm. yeah everyone doesn't love each other in the mm. future <laughs> no i guess not <laughs> Yeah, the hippie, uh, the hippie movement didn't take effect on Centauri. Uh, well, um, you you've still got terrorist movements in the future as well. You you've got, uh, and I'm always blanking on the Earth terrorist movement. Home Guard. Home Guard. You've got Home Guard, and they were in season one. Even if they weren't present, they were mentioned several times throughout the series and their presence was clearly felt I mean my own Sean my own she was branded and nearly killed by one and that's the same episode where you know an old flame of Susan turns up right and didn't some ambassador wasn't there some kind of um attempt to assassinate an ambassador on earth or something like that in the same episode, I think. I don't know yes, if it was the same said, episode. I think. I think they said it. it 
some either someone had been attempted uh, an assassination on a ambassador or i think part of the overall plot was to kill ambassadors well yeah that was night. their ultimate yeah yeah, yeah. So they wanted to kill all the statement. ambassadors yeah mm-hmm. on babylon yeah. 5 and on and earth I'm... at the same time Oh, I, I don't remember that on Earth at the same time part. But. Yeah, that was their plan to basically the two major ports where humans and alien ambassadors were interacting. To kill off the alien ambassadors there would have really shifted things in the universe for them. And, you know, they could have taken advantage of that. Yeah, one of the things they said was that aliens are influencing Earth policy. And um, I think that was one of their reasons that they said. Mm. I, I don't know how that's happening, but that was, I remember that. But also, I mean, do we, well, I guess that's more of a prediction. But I mean, there's, <laughs> a, what, there's what happened at the end of the season <laughs> with the president, too. Mm. Um, so that's, the, I can't imagine that that's not linked to things we've already talked about. It's really difficult at this point because that really is going into prediction territory and it's really hard for me and Will to d- discuss things without getting into predictions on your end. Fine. Uh, so what do you see as some of the other big themes of this season? Well, I mean, they've talked about religion a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than you, you would ex- that I would expect from a sci-fi show anyway. I, I don't watch sci-fi though, so... It's possible that that's very, very common um, in sci-fi. Well, the major thing, again, it's really difficult sometimes not to compare this to Star Trek because before this point, Star Trek was sci-fi on TV. And so, you know, that had kind of set the bar that, um, at least for the Federation and humanity, they had left religion behind. And it does get touched on in Star Trek, but nowhere near to this degree. After Babylon 5, things may start to change, but, you know, it is an important part of Babylon 5 season 1, the idea of belief, the idea of religion, the idea of faith. All three of them are very similar, but all three of them, you know, are kind of touched on slightly differently. Even in this first season, I mean, religion... We see occasionally, uh, you know, you've got organised religion in a couple of different instances. Um, but I, I definitely see the characters' beliefs driving them, and sometimes that is completely separated from religion. I think Sinclair especially is um, a good example in this, that although he briefly mentions things like being raised by Jesuits, he... He clearly has a set of beliefs that are derived from experience, derived from his position, rather than a religion. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the interesting things to me is the topic of souls. And the reason why it's so interesting on this show is because, yes, that is a religious belief. However, we're... Usually on a show, like, you're told, okay, like, this is how a soul works. So, like, on Buffy, you know, you know, how the soul works with the vampire and the demon and the whatever. And um, and yet on this show, we're told that they have many different beliefs about it. And yet there was a soul hunter and he seemed to, like, kind of have souls in a bag. And <laughs> they floated. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. it's like... 
okay, well, I guess that's the way that they work on this show. So is so that belief is the way that I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because we haven't really been given, okay, everyone believes that this is the way this works, which of course is true, at least in humanity, you know, every religion yeah. has a belief on souls. So it's just it's it's just interesting that we kind of saw it, like how it must work. And yet, not everyone believes that that's the way that it works. Exactly, because in the same episode, Franklin gives a semi-scientific explanation of how it could work, mm-hmm. and you could... Consciousness. Yeah, and you could interpret what is in the balls and what we see at the end as exactly that, and that, you know, when Delane cracks those balls, she's merely releasing energy that's stored up inside the balls. Mm -hmm. But here's why I necessarily don't think that that's true, is because the soul hunters can see the future. They can see where somebody's dying. They They get visions of what's happening, and they're immortal. So if you're going to put all that with one being that but but that you're stopping short of saying that what they're collecting is metaphysical um that's a little odd to me they can they can predict what's happening in the future and they can see what they can have they have visions of what's going on and they're immortal but we're stopping short of saying that you know that that they're actually collecting souls it's kind of weird line to be drawing um well we've got human telepath already but can telepath see the future but, no, but there's prophecies this is a different too. race. This is a different race. And there is already prophecies. And Malari has said he's had a dream of his death. And so potentially there may be a psychic power that lets you see the future. Now, it could be that they're sensing souls. It could be that they're collecting souls. But the flip side to that, it could just be that they have some sort of psionic ability to see the future and that they've created a technology that um, transfers uh, the conscious thought into a sphere that um, has some sort of energy powering it, and that when Delenn cracked it, she released the energy. Or, as we've said, it could all be based around souls. And that, at the moment, I think is an interesting place to be in. We don't have definitive answers. And you can draw your own opinions. I feel like I can't right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're uh, being very one way about it, but I mean, it's like... I I don't mean to be. I'm trying to present a different argument. That's all I'm trying to do. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to figure out, like, in this show, what have we seen that's just probably not scientifically based? You know, like, have we seen a demonstration of something that's completely metaphysical and doesn't seem to have any scientific basis. You know, to be like seen into the future, I can't imagine what kind of scientific basis that would be. Right. That, that's a very good point, and uh, yeah, you could very well be right. I don't know. I mean, I, f- I feel like we've seen other things that don't seem to have a scientific basis, but I can't really remember. So what about these prophecies? Do we think they're going to come through or could. Yes. We've only <laughs> I seen, seen the future. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, exactly. I kind of think that he's, because, I mean, JMS is an atheist, right. but I, I, I feel like he's, he's not trying to portray this, this show as completely scientifically based. Like, I feel he's kind of bringing in some unexplainable, you know, metaphysical phenomena, phenomenon, um, into uh, it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, which is interesting um, to see that because sci-fi is science, you know, science fiction, but to bring in some of these other things. And I mean, there has to be a reason he's focusing a lot on religion. Maybe it's a big setup to debunk it all <laughs> at the end yeah. of the show. You know, haha. you think you think all this stuff is is, you know, because just because you can't explain it, that means it must be coming from a God. But it just means you haven't been able to explain it yet. You know, I don't know. But um, I don't I don't necessarily see it that way at this point. And I kind of feel like he's 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 focusing more on the Mimbari religion. I, I don't know if that means that he that is going that way or if, if that's just what we've seen so far. We actually heard at the end reference to a prophecy that we don't even know. Just that what's happening towards the end of this season might be fulfilling a prophecy. And that's very vague in itself. Yeah, we don't know what that is. Yeah. Everything's vague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's vague. Is a tech. It should have. Been, it shouldn't have been signs and portents. It should have been everything's vague. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like it. Well, we did see one prophecy come true. Uh, Lady Ladiris knew that her nephew would get killed, and that did mm-hmm. happen by shadows. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down that um, one thing we've seen a few times in the first season is addiction, like uh, Garibaldi's alcoholism, and there's that one guy that had a gambling addiction and. The doctor in the Quality of Mercy had a previously had a STEM problem. The doctor, uh, the lady who was helping. Oh yeah, yeah, there. yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, that's true. We have seen that. Um, it's difficult to say much about it, really, because um, it's referred to two times, and the episode where Garibaldi went off the wagon. Well. It was very stereotypical in the way it went about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if it's just more set up, like, so that we know that that's, you know, a trait that he had. Right, so maybe he'll struggle with it again in the future, maybe. Yeah, maybe during this war that's coming. Yeah. Um, also, they've talked about honor a few times, too, I guess. Honorable yeah. things. Membari um, are honorable, and Sinclair is honorable, and... Um, in some ways, you could even apply it to some of uh, Jakar's actions. True. I'm trying to, I'm trying to blank. <laughs> Being uh, honourable or dishonourable? <laughs> well, honourable in terms of... Even he can be honourable at times in his treatment of um, Catherine Sakaya. I keep on wanting to call her Catherine Sakaya. Yeah, uh, Sinclair's fiancé. Oh. Isn't that her name? Yeah. I think it is. I I'm always I'm always confusing her with Carolyn. Yep, me too. Uh, names are just too similar. But yes, it, it, he warns her, but seeing her ignore his warnings, he still rescues her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah for Jakar, that is honourable. For Jakar, for sure, that's that's a big step. Lanier as well. He's he's done a couple of vulnerable things this season, mainly, you know, in how he kind of <laughs> helped out Londo. He helped out Garibaldi with his bike. <laughs> that was just because he was having fun. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know they they also touched on sacrifice a little bit this season. I feel like maybe that's more to be said about that coming up, maybe. But, I mean, we had, was it Drawl? Yeah. Who said yeah. something, you know, something about sacrifice, you know, and sentient beings. Um, and it seems, it almost seems like Delenn is kind of sacrificing herself, too, for her consideration of whatever the greater cause is. Mm-hmm. 
and whatever the heck she's doing in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just needs a little rest. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave me alone for a little bit. Time at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how in some instances where JMS doesn't necessarily say who's right and who's wrong, but it does show there are consequences, like when the doctor operated on the boy and his parents murdered him <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, we he showed both sides of it, and, you know, there were consequences. Um, there's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's definitely been times where we felt the consequences of actions all the way through to the very last episode um you know, yeah go ahead mm, i was kind of trying to think of another instance sorry um well i also think the same thing with the narns because the narns like like we talked about have some kind of justification for their anger but yet there's consequences if they choose to act uh-huh. on that you know yeah. if they invade ragesh three or you know take do what they did not saying that they deserved the consequences they got <laughs> but it's kind of a role it sets things in motion yeah um well should we move out of themes because we've been talking for like an hour right. on themes <laughs> oh we have but yeah. they are important <laughs> so we can maybe briefly talk about some of our favorite and least favorite plot lines how about our favorite and it can be just individual episodes or through plot lines I'm going to let you two go first. <laughs> well, I think overarching stuff is always more yeah. interesting. Um, so, you know, like when we would finally get something on Sinclair's hole in his mind that we were predicting things about for like, I don't know, <laughs> 20 episodes before we finally... <laughs> yeah, I'm exaggerating. We'll take but... any little nibble we can get on that one. Right. So... um and I I don't have episode names of things here in front of me. So, um, but, you know, things like that where we got overarching stuff, I think, um, were more of my favorite kind of plot lines. Yeah, I like the size. I, I, I think that's my favorite thing is to learn about more about the Psy core. <laughs> and Will is like, really? <laughs> well, I not tall yet. Tall yet. <laughs> 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 yeah. Bring that other guy back. Yeah, if I leave my favourite episode of the uh, season to one side, the actual best through storyline I can think of is actually seeing Delenn's um, subtle progression as a character and how although she's going, you know, and driven very much by her beliefs and very much by her religion, she's doing it on a personal level in addition to the greater good for the Membari, it seems. There's the episode, I mean, there's the instance in the episode I absolutely love in Babylon Squared um, where she refuses leadership of the Membari because of the calling of her heart. She she wants to do what's best for the Membari, but she has a different idea of what that greater good is than some of her fellow um, Membari. She's walking her own path, but it's a path that she feels um, is guided by her beliefs, is guided by her religion and her beliefs in prophecy. And I like that development. Uh, the calling of her heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Will. Uh, I was, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to jump off from the prophecy part, but I was just going to say, you know, for me, 
not to say that I don't find it interesting, which I do because it progresses the plot. But if it's between, to me, if a show is between focusing on prophecy and focusing on what things actually do to people and psychology, I go for the latter. Um, Like, for example, spoiler alert for Battlestar Galactica. When I started focusing too much on prophecy and, you know, the end result and the it's happened before, it'll happen again. That's less interesting to me than like how this affects how the things that are happening affects people and how they start reacting to it and how then they that starts reacting to it and you know the I psychology see. of things so that's but why i like the size i think because mm. i like to see how that the idea of having the size how that changes things how that what people do with that ability and and the reactions that would happen from that and yeah whereas i kind of I like uh, these big how these big ideas have an impact on these people personally. How that you know there's this acknowledgement of well, a great you know greater ideas that it's not just the minute details of life, but it's that. in addition to looking upwards, seeing the stars, seeing that you know seeing the infinite, I suppose, and how that impacts on yourself. I enjoy prophecy when it's done so that the event that is prophesied will happen. You know, there's no going back and changing it. There's no going back and interpreting it in a different way. This event will definitely happen. Mm. And so I enjoy it in that way. And I feel like Babylon 5 is doing that because the prophecies that we have seen have come to pass. So so I'm good with the prophecy part, but I also agree with you, Elizabeth, about the Psy um, stuff, and I, I enjoy that aspect as well. So I like both uh, both ways that they do that. Yeah. Will, sorry, I think I interrupted you before. Oh, I was just agreeing with Heidi, I guess. The most part, the most interesting part to me was the hole in Sinclair's mind, and we got little bits of it sprinkled throughout the season, kind of like X-Files mythology. Mm. <laughs> just a little bit sprinkled here and there. But was... Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. That That's not interesting. I do, but I think that's really cool, both that and the, the size stuff. Yeah. It is difficult to pick your favorite, it but I have yeah, you have to pick something. Yeah, that's your favorite. But all that stuff is the most interesting stuff to me is all that stuff that we just talked about. Mm. So what about least favorite? <laughs> you know, I, just, I didn't think... The first thing that popped into my mind was the story with the Raiders. Maybe oh, that yeah. seemed more... In, I know it's probably supposed to be a big deal, but it didn't come across that way. Well, yeah, because Ivanova went and took about a whole colony, like a whole flock of them out by herself. <laughs> They're like, what kind of a threat could they be? Mm. <laughs> yeah, as a storyline that spans several episodes, it doesn't really hold up. Well, and then they just kind of disappeared, right? Mm. Yeah, they were just, destroyed. you know, if we took them out, they're gone. That's enough. Um, yeah, because I think Will said that they weren't going to come back. Right. Yeah. I don't know why the first thing that didn't pop into my head was Talia's, whatever Talia was doing, but... <laughs> Anything Talia was doing Anything is your least favorite. Talia, right. Her, her conversation about size having sex. <laughs> <laughs> least favorite. <laughs> oh, I know. My least favorite thing, and not for the plot line, but just for the uh, factor, was um, oh, Lanier know. and Londo uh, playing poker. Oh, <laughs> That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you didn't like that at all. Creeps me out. And now we're going to have a detailed discussion about Centauri Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> With diagrams. 
Any no, other thoughts know. for plots that just didn't do anything for you? Most of the Dr. Franklin ones. <laughs> oh, poor Dr. Franklin. <laughs> I mean, I like Dr. Flink- Franklin. I think he gives a good, like, skeptical perspective on things. Like, like he's a good counterpoint to some things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he seems to get saddled with a lot of weird stuff. Well, he's he's and... so arrogant about things. Yes. He just, he really just, it bothers me the way that he handles most of the storylines that he's given. Yeah. I mean, he's probably not, like, they probably are portraying that the way, I mean, they're probably trying to give that perspective too, right? Like, like that's supposed to be a quality of him is his sort of arrogance, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Or do probably. you think that's just the way he's performing it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I bet it's written that way. And, um, and it's interesting because a lot of times I do kind of look at the scientific side of things. I mean, I'm a religious person. Um, I'm a religious person, but I also think that uh, that science needs to be done to, I don't know, just I look at both. And so right. normally I would be on his side in certain things, but I think it's just the character. He just rubs me the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. He's an interesting character for sure. Mm-hmm. I like him. Huh? I mean, I like what he brings to, you know, I mean, I'd like to see him in more, I guess, different types of plots. Just, you know, I don't know. And of course, he's kind of central in the one episode where I surprised myself how much I disliked it. <laughs> ah, believers. Yeah. Oh, believers. Yeah, I thought you liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check the tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't take it. The screaming. <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> so how about we, every episode we did our quotes of the week? So how about some of our favorite quotes of the season? Okay, let favorites? me pull that up. So as I was looking through my quotes, pretty much all of my favorite quotes are Londo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have one of one Londo written down for my favorites of the season. So I yeah. think I had a lot of Koshisms. <laughs> I've got I several Vonovas. Yeah, some of Vonova. I'll start off with a Koshism from our favorite episode. The avalanche has started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. Which one was that from? That was Believers, right? He was talking to oh, the parents, okay. I think. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll, I guess... Okay, go ahead. Um, I'll do one. Uh, Londo, because that's pretty much all I have. Um, beep, beep. It must be <laughs> Earth humor. What kind of figure of speech is like that? Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, do you want to go before me? Uh, sure, I have. Okay, I'll, I'll go... Uh, I'll do funny later. Um... All right. This is from Midnight on the Firing Line. Kosh says, They are a dying people. We should let them pass. Sinclair, who? The Narn or the Centauri? Kosh, yes. (laughs) Okay, well, if we're doing Kosh, I suppose I should do. And so it begins. Yeah, that's one of mine. (laughs) I have, I just wrote down B5 Mantra because I didn't (laughs) want to look it up. Did somebody get that? Yeah, Yeah. I've got that. Okay, here we go then. Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova. I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations. Ivanova is God. And if this ever happens again, Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, wants to go? I can... Okay, this is from Voice in the Wilderness Part 2. It's Ivanova. Oh my god, whoever's piloting that shuttle's a madman. <laughs> nice. Um, this one is fairly recent. Uh, from Babylon Squared. 
But this, this is like being nibbled to death by a, what are those earth creatures called? Feathers, long bill, go quack. Cats! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to go for my Zathras quote again then. Ah, oh, not the one. Won't talk, can't talk, not the one. They told me, they did. Zathras listens, he does. Yes, Zathras listens and he does. He does what he is told. <laughs> the Zathras is kind of like a, a combination of Gollum and Yoda or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to then just follow up with what the next thing Zathras says later in the episode and then I'll let everyone get on. But you take Zathras die. You leave, Zathras die. Either way, it's bad for Zathras. <laughs> poor Zathras. Uh, poor Zathras. Yeah. I just have one more, but I feel I might be stealing it <laughs> from Elizabeth. I know what you're going to say then. <laughs> okay, yeah, I won't say it. <laughs> uh, if it's really short, um, so, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> any others? Um, yeah, I have a couple. Um, from from The Gathering, Dr. Kyle says, I have looked on the face of a Vorlon and nothing is the same anymore. Oh, uh, <laughs> first episode and the last one. And also the Soul Hunter says to Delenn, you have planned such a thing? You would do such a thing? Incredible. Actually, I've just found another one. Uh, Commander, I think I've got to go to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Want to finish us off, Elizabeth? <laughs> oh, sorry, that was going to be my rating. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll save okay, it for your rating ahead. system. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'm surprised you didn't. Um, don't touch me unless you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that one. I could have done the no, the telepath. Making love speech. Oh, God, no, Will, please. <laughs> it's because of how it makes everybody feel. Okay. I didn't do a rating for system, but right, let's look at our season ratings. Um, yeah, for the total, for the season, our average was a 7.17, which isn't bad. It sounds about right for season one to me. That sounds pretty good. Our highest was Babylon Square with nine point six. As it should be. And our are you are you factoring in the guests as well? Yeah, I'm factoring the okay. guests. Yeah, nine point six. That's really high. Oh yeah, but it should be. Well, yeah, yeah, it should be. And our lowest, which is believers, of course. <laughs> Damn right. Barely beating infection for worst. My lowest was TKO. I remember. Okay. Yeah, those three can kind of fight it out for worst <laughs> episode of the season. All right. Do you want to say anything else about ratings or? Um, I noticed on the little rating sheet that I tend to score higher than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm more forgiving of badness. <laughs> yeah, and I learned that I'm a kind of a low rater, so which I didn't realize about myself before. Well, we all even out, so I think that kind of works out. I don't really think we should change too much just to make the graph look even. Oh no, we're not saying to change. It's just no, just an observation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at our characters of the season. We can start off with human. Um, do you want to talk about our individual human characters? There's Sinclair, Ivanova, Garibaldi, Franklin, and Talia. Did Talia win a Human of the Week at any point? She never won, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was Will's influence. <laughs> of our main cast, we only had three people, I think, who won. Well, outside of our main cast, Bester, Aldous Geijic, and Dr. Laura Rosen. 
Hmm. Those were all good ones. So if we're going to tally, Ivanova had seven and Sinclair had eight. Wow, they swept. Wow. <laughs> almost the whole, almost yeah. the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost half each, isn't it? So whose season was it? Was it Sinclair's or was it Ivanova's? Do we think? I think it was Sinclair's. I don't know, for me. Even though I've had a problem with some parts of Sinclair's characterization. They really gave him a lot to do. Um, yeah. We, this season, Susan Ivanova was awesome, but Sinclair had a great story arc and character arc, I suppose, actually. Right, right. Character arc, story arc. I mean, he was in, he was a main character. Uh, I mean, he had a lot of things to do in a lot of the episodes, too. Like, mm. he was instrumental, and um, I don't know. I like them both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I I enjoy them both. Um, I like Ivanova more, but Sinclair isn't as um, isn't as Mulderish <laughs> as he was at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the acting—I'm not sure if the acting's gotten better. If I've just gotten more used to his acting, but um, yeah. but I I do enjoy the character more. And you know, he's he's the good guy. He's you know he's always going to do the right thing and whatnot and that kind of thing. Unless we, you know, delve into it more, who knows? But at this point, that's the kind of character that he is. And yeah. I think he plays it well. And kind of, if we don't vote for him, he's, um, fiancé, well, one of his fiancés anyway, is going <laughs> to hunt us down with gravity rings. Yeah, well, I'm voting against her. I don't like her. <laughs> Dylan? Oh, no, not the, no, the fiancé. Uh, oh, okay. The fiancé, uh, not the wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um I think the land would be quite angry if we voted against uh Sinclair. Oh okay. Well I like Avonaba like more her. than I like Sinclair as yeah. a character too. It's just that uh I don't know like in terms of the character of this season, I don't know if they gave Avonaba enough to do. I wish she would get more to do. <laughs> yeah, me too. I agree. Yeah. Because she's yeah, very, I think very good Sinclair. character. Yeah, I'm partial to Yvonne, but I think this was Sinclair season. The down below sample of approval for Sinclair. <laughs> Jeffrey Sinclair. All right, for Alien of the season, we had a lot of different aliens come through. I was looking through the list of some of our winners, and I was having trouble remembering who some of these people were. Oh, but like, well, I figured it out. Like, Sean was the little boy. Oh yeah, because sometimes we didn't have a lot of choices, (laughs) or a lot of good choices. Um, but if we tally it up, Delyn had four, and Jakar had three. Those were the top two, I think. Maybe Lanier and Natak were had two. Mm, We can't vote for Kodoth as the alien of the year, can we? (laughs) She's only in one episode. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) She could be in our in memoriam. (laughs) Yeah, we need in memoriam this year, really, don't we? Uh, well, (laughs) Delin or (laughs) I think I guess I would go with Delin. If we're going to use the same argument as we used for Sinclair, it's kind of been Delin's season as well, hasn't it? Yeah. And who knows yeah. what's going to happen to her <laughs> going yeah, forward. Because as, because as far as favorites go, mine's probably Londo, but I love Dylan, and I think that it's definitely been her season. She's had really good stories, and um, and we've got to know her a lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
Alright, we'll give it to Delin. So Sinclair and Delin, husband and wife. <laughs> Power couple. Our characters yeah. of the year. Yeah. I just thought of something. Prom little... king and queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one dance, one last dance. Um, I just thought of something while we were talking. Are there any characters that we've seen once that you'd like to see come back, Heidi and Elizabeth? I wouldn't mind seeing Bester again. Um, Everyone who disappeared from the pilot movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened to them? Well, we want to know what happened to Dr. Kyle. And uh, Go ahead. Was it Jinxo? Uh, was yeah. that his name? Jinxo, yeah. Thomas. Oh, yeah. 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 I would like to see him. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. I would like to see... I, would, I don't want to see her again specifically, but it'd be interesting to see what that Psy who went to... Um, Mimbar. Mimbar, yeah. Uh, what happened to her? But I don't want to see that actress again, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, they could always do what they do on lots of sci-fi. Well, not sci-fi shows. Any show is, well, she might go away for a couple of years, come back as a different actress. There you go. <laughs> that works for me. Yeah, or on soap operas where the next day it's a different actor playing the same character. <laughs> Yeah, soap operas tend to have the best plastic surgeons. <laughs> oh, you wanted to know who we wanted to come back? Right. Um, so that would be Kodoth. Right? Oh, yeah, Kodoth. <laughs> oh. Miraculous recovery. We see her body floating in space somewhere. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't really pushed out an airlock. No, well, amazing. she was, but the unknown thing is that... Um, is that the Narn can uh, breathe in outer space and that she's just floating out there. She's fine. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. Keep telling oh, myself that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, just a little anecdote on another Babylon 5 podcast. At this point in the series is when um, the Babylon Project got here. They postulated that um, Kodas outside the station with her own little gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> I would go I there. I love it. Yeah, it'd be my favorite place to visit on Babylon Five. Go <laughs> <laughs> that skip shop. Yeah, yeah. Go that salted taffy. Fudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let us hop on our tricycles and take a trip to Feedback Land. Okay. Yay, tricycles. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Where are we? Okay, first we have a comment on our website from Board99. I'll read that. He says, I have to agree with Ian's sentiment that Chrysalis is when Babylon 5 starts to starts really to feel like Babylon 5. One reason why people who've seen the show before can feel that somehow Chrysalis offers more answers than it actually does might be that. While Chrysalis doesn't offer answers in the strict sense, what it does offer is significant development of the story. Not seasons one, not season one's strong point on the whole. But to say something nice about season one, I think it's the season with the most elegant pairing of season opener and season finale. Chrysalis is an excellent sequel to Midnight on the Firing Line, turning as it does on two key plot elements of the opener: the Narn Centauri conflict and President Santiago's election. Good point. For your season one wrap-up, supposing that you read this by tomorrow. The ambassadors tend to get the most questions, so here's a question for the command staff. How has the experience of rewatching these episodes and then discussing them with people who've never seen the show before affected your own perceptions of B5? Hmm. Yeah, I think I said earlier that 
it's making me appreciate season one more than it has before. Yeah, it's not as nearly as bad as I remembered it being. For the most part. However, Believers is actually worse <laughs> than I remember it. So, yeah, it's got its positive and its negative. Thankfully, it, the positives way out um, weigh the negatives in this. And, yeah, it's just lovely seeing season one through new viewers' eyes and mm, it gets lets me appreciate it more. Yeah, having to watch it and take notes and then discuss it I'm actually retaining more of the information, like episode titles and little details, they say, and quotes and things. Cool. Well, thanks, Board. Thank you. Yeah, Board, and thanks for the question. Next, we have comments on our Facebook page. Anyone want to do comments from Tori? I can. Tori. Yeah, so, okay. Um, Tori goes on to say, I don't dare make any predictions yet. As I remember the outcome for Delenn, Garibaldi, and Sinclair. Dakar is my favourite character. Ivanova is so pretty when he's out. I think he's meant to say she's out of uniform <laughs> with her hair done up. I remember before liking or at least being more cautious about Sinclair more as the season went on and was interested to learn how he became the one. And what exactly happened during his missing 24 hours? And I'm waiting for episode 201, so Will can answer all my questions. (laughs) And finally, you got some from Laurie on the Facebook as well. Feedback for season 2, an up and down season that ended on a very high up. Favourite human, Ivanova. Alien, Lando. Favourite episode, Chrysalis, Mind Raw, and The Sky Full of Stars. Oh, and Babylon Squared. Size is important. And size is important. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a lot of favourite episodes, but those are good choices. Worst episode, still infection, but followed by Believers. So excited for season two. Not sure what else to say, but thanks so much for doing this and all your hard work. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Yeah, thanks for the nice comments. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Stick around for season two. Yeah. Next, we have some emails. Let's see. Wait. Okay. Oh, the first one is from Michael B. He wants to take Michael B.'s email. I can take it. He says, Hi, Will, Ian, Heidi, and Elizabeth. Thank you all for your great discussion of Babylon 5. It has been very enjoyable listening to the recaps every week and getting the reactions of the newbies. Although I wouldn't call Heidi and Elizabeth newbies anymore. Once you make it through season one, then I think you've leveled up, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) I love Babylon 5. I was 10 when the first season aired, and every time I rewatch Babylon 5, I become that 10-year-old again in a lot of ways. One of the things I remember most was actually being shocked. I mean, genuinely shocked when Garibaldi was shot and the president was assassinated at the end of season one. Growing up on Star Trek, I thought, this isn't how a TV show is supposed to end. Mm. (laughs) And then I realized just how eager I was to get to the next season. From that point forward, to paraphrase Sinclair, TV wasn't the same anymore. (laughs) Nice. I hear Heidi and Elizabeth pretty much begging for answers during the podcast. The only consolation I can offer is a reminder that Babylon 5 was designed from the beginning as a four to five year story arc. And he can't just give everything away in the first season. 
I know you want to know the answers to things like, number one, why did the Minbari surrender at the Battle of the Line? Okay, I won't list them all here, lol. But just think of the things you already know the answers to. We now know vaguely what happened to Babylon 4 thanks to Zathras. And, number two, what are those black spider ship slash creatures? Number three, what's the deal with Mr. Morden and his associates? Is he even human? Number four, what does Kosh look like under that suit? Number five, um, there's more. Um, well, we know a lot more about Sansari reproduction, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, and if I had to rate the Babylon 5 intro cast season one, I would have to give it nine out of ten unanswered questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Michael. Michael. Thank you. Oh, that's really nice of you. Okay, our next email is from Victor. Who wants to take that one? Okay. I wasn't sure what kind of feedback you wanted for this podcast, so I will mention my favorite character and then make some predictions for Season 2. I think Londo is one of the most underappreciated characters in all of sci-fi. He always delivers the best lines, such as, What do you want, you moon-faced assassin of joy? And love... <laughs> that one down. <laughs> what does love have to do with marriage? There are a lot of TV shows that start out great and then become ordinary, such as Sliders, Lost, and Heroes. Babylon 5 started out ordinary and then became great, which I find much more entertaining. Season 1 ended with a string of excellent episodes. Well, except for the Lost in Space non-reunion show. And for next season, these are my predictions. Garibaldi will survive and open a bar in the Zocalo. Lanier will work as his bartender. Delenn will emerge from her chrysalis and become an exotic dancer. Ivanova <laughs> <laughs> will join the psych war. Bester will be her instructor. Cool. Are you saying these don't happen? <laughs> what are you saying, Victor? <laughs> L- I have to oh, hold on. Let me rearrange my predictions. Londo and Jakar will become a vaudeville team and go on tour together. Veer will be the new ambassador and declare war on the rest of the galaxy. Yes. Kosh will become a fast-talking used freighter salesman. <laughs> Franklin will admit he knows nothing of medicine and become a combat pilot. <laughs> Talia will master telekinesis and attempt to conquer the galaxy. Drawl will use the machine on Epsilon 3 to broadcast reruns of I Love Lucy all day and night. Yes. All of this Centauri will get normal haircuts. All of the other cast members from Lost in Space will make guest appearances, but Lanier will somehow miss seeing any of them. Oh. <laughs> Babylon's 1, 2, and 3 will reappear. Sinclair will show up on each one until he dies of old age. <laughs> Since everyone else is gone, Clara will seize command of Babylon 5. Yes! Second in command, Clarence. Season 2 of Babylon 5 will be better than season 1. I am confident that at least one of these predictions will be accurate. Regards, Victor. Yeah, thanks, Victor. <laughs> thanks, Victor. <laughs> Those are funny. Our last email is from Michael H. I'll take that one. Hello, everyone. So we've reached the end of season one, and judging by the ambassadors' reactions and comments, they both enjoyed the journey, which is great. For myself, rewatching the show for the first time in many years, I found it even better than I remember. Being a little older now, I find that I tend to notice a lot more of the subtle character elements of the show and appreciate the science fiction for more than just the cool spaceships and strange aliens. There were a few less than stellar episodes, generally those that were more in monster-slash-problem-of-the-week style than those that were just telling the story of the station and its inhabitants. Obviously, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it's great seeing so many building blocks of what is to come being laid down, and those more arc-driven episodes always go down as my favorites. Saying that I've tried to judge my favorite characters and episode for this season, judge just on this season and not future events. Human of the season, Ivanova. I love her snarky Russian humor and all of her emotional character scenes are really well played throughout. 
Alien of the season, Londo. I know some don't find him funny, but he always cracks me up. His larger-than-life persona, thunderous voice, and crazy hair hide his understanding and dissatisfaction of his people's role in the galaxy. Hey, Will. Yes. Um, I would like to point out that uh, these guys rated their human and alien of the season based on who they liked the best, and they um, pretty much all picked the ones that I picked. Okay. And so <laughs> I, I would like to, you know, just I would, I would stick with these people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, we all recognize you're vindicated here, Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> Special mention, Mr. Morden, a great mystery character that deserves mention, but I don't feel comfortable putting him in either of the normal categories as I'm unsure if the ambassadors have discerned his origins as yet. Episode of the season, Babylon Square. It offers so much in background to the setting and hints at what is to come that it's a bit of a no-brainer choice for me. From a more standalone perspective, I really enjoyed Born to the Purple for its deeper look into the Centauri culture and perhaps the dancing girls. After all, I'm only human. Lastly, a question for the ambassadors. As you've no doubt noticed, many of the veteran watchers say that the show really starts kicking off in season two. What changes do you anticipate to lead to this? New characters, locations, and technology are more behind-the-scenes stuff like different directors slash writers, plot pacing, and arc development choices. Oh, interesting question. Different spin on it. Mm, definitely. Well, I think definitely the fact that JMS is writing pretty much everything from now on. I mean, mm-hmm. like the every now and then, I think he possibly has other episodes, but... Um, but yeah, mostly they're written by him. So I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, maybe it starts focusing more on the overarching plots and less of things that maybe don't fit into the overarching plot. Or at least he focuses more on the themes. Maybe maybe no more TKOs where you have a boxing story that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of how Joss Whedon writes the first season of TV. It's yeah. like you've got, you've got those episodes that are maybe just to build character and not so much has anything to do with anything else. Well, and I don't mind those per se, but, well, I'm using the example of TKO. I just didn't think right. that did, that worked on any level, like with the, the boxing part of it, at least. Uh-huh. It was more just one of those things of, okay, we need an episode. Yeah. <laughs> so standalones are fine, you know, I, I, as long as you focus on the characters or uh-huh. the themes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not some random guy that you've never heard of before, nor right. will you ever again. Exactly. Uh, Michael finishes. I was just going to say, however, TKO, he did have a prophetic line, that guy. Watch your back, Garibaldi. (laughs) (laughs) Justified. (laughs) Uh, Michael finishes by saying, as always, thank you for the great weekly entertainment and keep up the good work. Hopefully, I'll be able to join you for an episode in the next season if I remember to send my email in on time. But you still have time as we're recording this, Michael. Yeah, please join us. Well, thanks, Michael. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, I need to be... So, I mean, we've got Shane, but we could do more with more uh, European voices on here. Oh, yeah, Shane needs to sign up or something. <laughs> or, um, so how about we do predictions? So oh. we want to do it by, by, like, different parts types of predictions like about this type of plot line and then this or how do do you think we could go through each character and that would maybe get all of our predictions included okay uh mine aren't really about well okay we could try yeah and then if not then we can like go okay broader categories if they haven't been covered okay 
I will tell you that the name of the season two premiere is Points of Departure. We're not. I I didn't um, I didn't specify like in my predictions. I'm not. Are we supposed to specify only like season two predictions, or can we just predict for what we think was going to happen, no matter? Oh, and it doesn't matter. Just anyway. when? Yeah, okay. just go off in whatever direction you see fit. Okay, good. Good, because I wouldn't even... I wouldn't. I know, I don't have it written out in my head. Okay, season two is going to end at this point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, points of departure. So I guess just uh, for the season two premiere, based on that, um, well, maybe Delenn departs with her butterfly wings after she comes out of her resort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we had sort of like, like Jakar left, you know, and... Um, Lando was Lando didn't leave, right? He just um he was just feeling I can't remember, did Lando leave at the end of the season? No, no, he didn't. Okay, but he was just feeling like everything was his fault, you know, he's kind of Yeah. So maybe that's sort of because like the lens over here and like Jakar is over here and maybe they're like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Catching let's up with where they to, are. Yeah. Let's go to overall predictions because quite frankly these episode titles never give me enough to <laughs> Well yeah. Yeah. I'm still stuck on Born to the Purple. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so characters? Should we start with humans? Yes, start with the humans. Let's start with Talia. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Cool favorite. I think at some point we've got to see, like, her actually using her special new powers. And, I mean, it's just been completely ignored ever since it happened. Yeah, it has. I know. And, yet, uh, then, and yeah. th- then Victor gave us that prediction about how she became all powerful. And so I'm like, hmm, well, maybe it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, he, yeah. was, he was saying that she would take over the galaxy, use her powers to take over the galaxy. Well, that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> she can join Jason Ironheart in yeah, the land a... of Kendall's. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, what I think will happen is that she'll like just go crazy with it. I I have a prediction that she's going to die. And Will will rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just have one line on on here for her that she dies. I, I do think that I have a bunch of stuff on the home guard and the sides. But um, for her specifically, I, I do think we'll see some. I, I do think we'll be able to see her, you know, trying to use her power maybe for against evil size maybe. But um, I, I don't know why. I just I had a prediction that at some point she's going to die. What, Will's going to make a cameo on the series and shoot her? <laughs> we'll have a very special episode of Down Below that day. <laughs> Three-hour episode. And it's all going to be Will cheering. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you have on the side, Elizabeth? Well, I have this all mixed up with... I mean, I have a whole like paragraph about this because so <laughs> it's all mixed up for me with the Home Guard. Uh-huh. So... I was looking at my notes and I, in Midnight on the Firing Line, there was a newspaper and I wrote down all the titles of the newspaper. And one of them was the Psycor endorsed the vice president. And I just see something happening where eventually I see like the home guard and, and part of the Psycor like taking over Earth, Earth government. And and there will be more and more rules against aliens on Earth, anti-immigration stuff, and it will get more and more militant, and um, that they'll eventually get a hold of a weapon to help them 
against aliens. We know that the Earth Alliance took that, um, the one from Infection, um, you know, the one that the, oh god, the, I forgot the name of the race, but the one that, you know, took over that guy's body, and, um, so they have that, but there's also the Epsilon 3 thing, and then, um, I mean, there'll be separate factions, and then the Psy will sort of split off, um, and there'll also be a microcosm maybe on Babylon 5 with the home guard and, like, that security guard, you know, who's a mole. Because I think that the home guard was behind what happened with the president, and they're going to have to get support from somewhere. And the size seem to be getting a lot of power. Um, uh, oh, a car and weapon, that's what it was. I don't know if that's going to be used, but... Um, and then we'll see more of... There'll be more telepaths that have been... Um, reconfigured kind of like Ironheart was um, and that might play a role in things uh, I don't know that's sort, sort of some of the stuff I was writing down awesome okay Any other... next character hey, next human character uh, Ivanova anything for Ivanova I'm this is more hoping than really predicting but I'm hoping that like she gets more to do because from what we've seen of her I don't really have much to predict specifically. Yeah, maybe she'll get command of Babylon 5 at some point. When Sinclair goes to Babylon 4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Garibaldi, yeah, it's then. hard to predict for Ivana. Yeah, sorry, I, I preempted you there. Oh, no, no, no. I actually didn't write anything down specifically for Ivanova, actually. Yeah, that's my problem, too. She just, mm. like, I love her, and she has wonderful lines, and, and I like her interactions with everybody, but... Like, she had her father storyline, and there's her mother storyline, you know, that she's kind of dealing with or whatever, but I don't agree with Victor's uh, prediction about her becoming a Psy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, aside from that, I don't feel like there's Oh, really that's much. right. I forgot about that. I predicted that at some point, didn't I? That she was going to become, that she, that she was going to, um... I forgot. I forgot about that. <laughs> that she would like uh, the the talent or whatever would yeah. uh, surface or yeah. I forgot completely. <laughs> well, that did not even factor into my prediction. Oh well. Okay. Um, I suppose we don't really need to talk about Franklin. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything specific. I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, Garibaldi's in a pretty interesting position, though. Well, I think he's going to live. Yeah. Because he showed up, I mean, when they had that flash forward and Babylon squared, um, he was there. So if we're going to take that to mean anything at all, mm -hmm. then, you know, I would think that he'd, he'd survive. Yeah. I have this horrible feeling that uh, at least his uh, past girlfriend, she, I feel like she we've not seen the end of her because they've brought her up several times. They have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hope that she appears, and if she does appear again, it's it's more interesting. Maybe they go to Mars or something. Yeah, maybe they need the what are they Marsians? What are Marsies? Marsies, that's it. <laughs> um, they should be Mars bars or something. Um, so maybe they need to like bring the Marsies in with uh, you know, whatever's going to happen. Because in my mind, this is what's happening, and so everything else goes into my theory. Well, yeah, that... of course. <laughs> So maybe they need to bring the Marsies in when, you know, they're they're uh, getting people to join up with them. Yeah. I still hope that we get to go on to some other planets, you know, at some point. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, what about Sinclair? Uh, okay, here's, here is where 
I was looking at my notes again, and Ironheart says, you know, he'll see him in a million years. And I wonder if that factors in somehow. Like, I wonder if there's a time jump at some point. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Sinclair, obviously, you know, he's the one. So he's somehow factored into the Membari's um, storyline. He gets a scar. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe there's a time jump at some point. Um, well, I'm hoping that uh, he does not marry Catherine, especially since uh, we don't know if uh, polygamy is legal in the future. Oh, and... yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much most of the stuff with him, like, obviously, there's the things that we know, you know, he's that's going to happen with Babylon 4 and things. Um, but I feel like the immediate future with him pretty much all has to do with Delenn. And yeah, you can't really discuss happens. one without the other. Yeah, like what is happening mm-hmm. to her? And honestly, I have no answer for that. So, yeah, Other I don't think that funny. they'll end up getting married, him and Catherine. So, oh, I hope not. <laughs> Maybe she'll die. Well, I, I kind of have a prediction for Delenn. Um, okay, and I'm just, I am just going on a total tangent. I mean, a total leap of, I mean, just a leap. Um, but we saw her in Babylon Squared and we heard her voice and and we saw her hand. But I'm wondering, or we saw what we think is her hand anyways. I didn't look at it closely and I didn't go and rewatch it or anything. But my weird leap is that she's kind of come out human. Because hmm. she'll that have the same voice. Well, yeah, I don't know where. I just go in off the fact that she has the same voice, but she's changing. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I went to. Boy, that would have ramifications. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, other Delenn predictions kind of moved on to aliens now. Yeah. Um, I really have no... I have no idea how... What the Chrysalis is doing to her. I... Yeah, I've got nothing on that. But, um... As far as, like, the the Grey Council, um... I definitely think we're going to see them again, but they'll probably be against Delenn when we do. Because of whatever she's doing. Right, because she didn't make it clear like she was going to take action on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, she just she kind of that. sounded like she would just still be there, you know, observing and yeah, finding out if this prophecy were true or what. Yeah. All right, who's next, Jakar? Well, I was thinking about this, and it's kind of like the Narns and Centauri together, though. Okay. Okay. Um, so, then... Um, what Kosh said the Narn and Centauri were a dying species. Londo had a dream about that they were basically dying, like he died as they were mutually choking each other. And I'm thinking this might be like a metaphor for the Narns and the Centauris wiping each other out. You know, as the violence escalating so much that either there's a threat to wipe each other out or they actually, their planets both get wiped out. And maybe just the ambassadors are left or something. I don't know. That's sort of where my mind was going. Yeah. Um, for Jakar, I think on his journey, wherever he's going, um, I think he's going to find the spider creature ships, whatever they are. And I think that maybe he'll even talk to Morden and um, and find out what actually happened. That like it was basically Londo's fault. Because I don't think that Morden has any allegiance to Londo, other than he just needs him for something. Right. So I think he may play both sides and, and Jakar will come back even more angry at this Centauri. 
Yeah, because I kind of thought like like Morden was going to end up granting both their wishes, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah. Okay. Well, what about Lando? If I well, didn't, yeah. uh, if I didn't know that, um, if I didn't believe that this prophecy was true, that he knows how he's going to die, I would actually think that it was a possibility, and this may be way too dark for this show, I don't know, but um, that because of his actions that he would, like, become very depressed and either attempt or actually commit suicide. Mm. And again, maybe too dark for this show. Not sure. That would be interesting. Oh, I forgot one for Jakar, uh, that we will see his pouch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to go into it here, but JMS does have ideas on on non-anatomy as well. Yeah, like I said before, he's thought (laughs) way too much about this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, any other predictions? We didn't do Kosh. We didn't do Kosh. Not that I can predict anything about Kosh because I don't know anything about Kosh. <laughs> I I have a lot I've written down something that Kosh will end up helping the Mimbari Earthers. I think that was my train of thought up after the Narns and Sataria destroyed. Mimbari <laughs> ah. and Earth will be left to fight these uh, spider dimensional creatures, and Kosh will help. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what was going with that. Um, I don't know. I like. I think I said before. I think Kosh. They they know a lot. He knows a lot more. You know, of course, than than we do. And um, he might. They might have some kind of immortality. Um, so I think he'll he'll end up helping in some way. Um, fight the the threat that might be coming from these creatures. Okay. Actually, there is one more character, Mister Morden. You've gone into it a little bit, but do you have anything else? I just have a quote. I don't understand why they're doing it like this. Like, it seems like they have, like, these creatures have quite a lot of power. They can just go and blow. I mean, they have these lasers and they're just jump in and out and can just wreak a lot of havoc. I don't know why they're using Mr. Warden. I don't know why they're doing it in this way where they're asking, you know, questions and getting people to do them favors. It just seems like, so I don't know what they're getting out of it. I just have a lot. I don't really have anything for him. Just more There's questions. a lot of questions. A lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, really a lot of questions. All right, any other general predictions? Yes, I I put down that I think we'll see somebody get the death of personality. Uh, Ooh. You can't bring something like that up and not follow through <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there might be an emergency with the alien ambassadors back on Earth. Mm. And then at some point, yeah, we'll we'll come back to Epsilon 3. That's all I have, I think. Anything else? All right, I'm just going to tell you now that everything was right, and I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done here, obviously. <laughs> um, all right, then. <laughs> well, Anything else? I, I was going to say we really should properly mourn a couple of characters. We've mentioned them, but Clara and Kodathy will be missed. Oh, gone too soon. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And I'll take with me the memory to be my sunshine after the So hard to say goodbye.
that is all we have this week, folks. We're going to be back in three weeks from this week. We're taking a couple of weeks off, but check our feed. There may be something popping up in the feed. And if you're in the Facebook group, there may be some stuff showing up in the Facebook group. Oh, yeah. We'd like to do some, some you know, season one polls and stuff. So you'll, you should be seeing those on Facebook. Yeah. Mm. We'll see you next time for Points of Departure. And until then, take care and goodbye. Stroke off. Sign up for season two. Bye. Bye. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.